To Knives Out Minute. This is the Group Movie Minute podcast. We break down the 2019 Ryan Johnson Who Done It Knives Out, and we break it down one minute of screen time at a time. I'm your guest host for the week, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, we are breaking down Minute 25, and Minute 25 opens with Marta telling Benoit Blanc about how much she's paid, and ends with Marta explaining her, let's just call it, psychological and physical affliction. Well, someone who may be going through some psychological and physical afflictions right there in Central Florida, I don't know what that meant, I always try to link it there, (laughs) is the host of the Not Another Bad Movie podcast and my guest for this entire week, it's Megan Tripp. How are you doing, Megan? Uh, Better than our main character at the moment. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, you know, this scene starts innocently enough. And in fact, the real um, thrust and uh, power of the scene shows up a little bit after our minute here. But it sets up uh, really, I think, the moment where a lot of people realize, oh, this film's bananas. (laughs) And uh, and this particular, um, how do we say it? Uh, plot twist or character twist in the film, which is decidedly not stately and Agatha Christie-like, but more close to the stand-by-me pie-eating scene or perhaps some of the humor from a Farrelly Brothers film, kind of shows the audience, all right, folks, if you go along with this, if you can accept these next couple of minutes, (laughs) you're going to have a really good time. If you can't, might as well go right now. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least hit the mute button, which I like to do whenever uh, it seems like she might throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so there's a spoiler. Fridays are for spoilers. And uh, basically what we're saying, this is the setup of the fact that Marta cannot tell a lie. And if she does, she will vomit. And... Of course, the way that it's set up, so in such a classy way, a regurgitory reaction that Benoit tries to say, a little bird had told me. (laughs) Just all these little ways that he's trying to be kind and respectful when asking, is it true that you vomit when you tell a lie? (laughs) And uh, that is just, I, I wonder how many people zoned out at that. To me, I, I, I'm, I'm completely honest when I say this is kind of the litmus test for the viewer, which is I, if you can't, if you don't like this, if, if this is too weird or dumb or whatever is for you and you, you don't buy this, you're, this is not going to be a good experience for you. Yeah. I mean, there is a little bit of zaniness up until this point, like, but... 
I mean, even though if the characters are strange, um, there's no like weird happenings yet <laughs> until this point. Yeah, I mean, there there was kind of sort of cleverness and sort of gallows humor that you would expect to see in a murder, but this is just a as I said, this is almost out of the Three Stooges. <laughs> you know that this is just something so completely over the top, and I personally think it fits the film. I think it fits it because it you need to have this uh, device, for the lack of a better word, to make to to put her in a position where she can't tell a lie. Um. It's just having someone who looks so, you know, kind of sweet and gentle do something as, you know, nauseating, which she, I mean, spoiler everyone, she vomits when she lies. And they don't just have her, like, uh, you know, cough up a tiny bit of phlegm. Like, she just full on Linda Blair and the Exorcist, <laughs> boom, when she goes. And, uh, yeah, I, I got to say, when I did not know that plot twist when I saw it in the movie theater. Um, I, I mercifully only saw one trailer for the film, and so therefore I didn't really have a lot of things spoiled for me. The only thing I knew was it was a, it was a whodunit and Chris Evans wears a sweater. Those are literally the only <laughs> two things I knew about the film, because people were on Twitter saying Chris Evans sweaters, Chris Evans sweaters. Like, okay, you must have a sweater. Uh, spoiler alert, Vomit, I believe, gets on that sweater. So that's, uh, <laughs> I don't think that that's heading R.I.P. to the Smithsonian. R.I.P. Evans' sweater. I know, I know. All sweaters matter. <laughs> but, um, but that was, uh, you know, I, I wonder at one point, did Ryan Johnson kind of paint himself into a corner? and say, I need some device that Benoit knows he can play with that will take him to the truth. And it has to be something visual. And I just picture he probably came up at 3.30 in the morning, sort of wandering to the kitchen to grab a Coke, going like, I can't think of a device. Well, what if she just pukes if she tells a lie? (laughs) Boom. Boom. Yeah, it might have been like a starting off with like a nervous tick like she always kind of blinks rapidly yeah and then it 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 was like uh let's just make it as as big as we want it and and make it so that she actually gets sick to her stomach and throws up (laughs) and of course i mean just for i'm gonna say spoiler and you know i know fridays are when we're supposed to where we can uncap the spoiler alert from the jar there, but seriously, if you're watching a, a, if you're, if you haven't seen a whodunit and you're listening to a podcast where we break down the whodunit before you see it, what the heck are you doing? I mean, do you understand how movies work? You understand you will enjoy this film more if you've seen it, because imagine if you're just jumping into this episode and they're like, what in the heck? are Sully and Megan talking about? They're talking about some woman vomiting in front of James Bond. <laughs> so let's just get down to brass tacks. You, I, let's just assume you've seen the GD movie. But, you know, of course we have the 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 climax of the film is just this, this tidal wave of barf 
that comes out. But even when she barfs in the next minute, it just, they make it sound so, like, ah, like you, you can feel it coming up. You know, it is an awful feeling, isn't it? Or I don't know, maybe you're into it. Yeah, I, don't, I, no. I don't know you that well. So, <laughs> No, every time I watch a movie where there's someone making a retching sound, whether anything comes out or not, I, I have to mute. Uh, and I don't even like, like, squishy noises. Like, I saw the yeah. movie The Fog, and the scariest moment is someone gutting a fish, and they recorded that noise very loudly. And I, I still think of that as one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. <laughs> It's just well, my dear- really loud gutting fish. But yeah, I don't I don't like squishy noises or retching noises or sloppy noises. Like just any noise that is going to make me think of puke is is not or any bodily function really is <laughs> not yeah, but, what I like. Puke puke is something special. <laughs> um because it you know because how it comes out, where it comes out, the fact that it lingers and um, by the way, I can't imagine sitting with you watching Jaws in the scene when Richard Dreyfus cuts the shark open and is pulling stuff out of the shark. That yeah, scene must have been, that probably was worse for you than watching the shark eating people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but my, my friend Richie Duncan pointed out that uh, uh, few people get vomit right in movies. Like they, mm. it's like they'll go. It'll sound like they're coughing. Or it looks like, oh, they just go, like they just spat something that was out in their mouth. When the actual process is this disgusting, vile volcano that your body turns into. And, I mean, think about this for a second. I'd rather I'm not I know beginning to you, feel pleasing. You hate this. I get <laughs> this that. So much. But you know what? You sign up for Knives Out Minutes, so this is uh, this, this is isn't the minute where she even vomits. <laughs> I know, but you know, we don't get that. Does. We don't get that, and I'm the guy. I'm having uh, this is I'm becoming my mom who loved to poke fun at the things that disgusted me, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm I've inherited that quality. Um, that here's the thing about how we all hate vomit. Okay, like there have been times in my life where I have felt like there's something in me that I just need to get out of me. Like it's making me not sick. Not like a it's secret, me. but like a... <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 I'm talking something but... physical. Not like, a, not a confession, but like, <laughs> like, you know, uh, you know, uh, something that I should not have eaten or something that's not agreeing with me or maybe something that went bad or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, yeah, the, the nanosecond after you puke it up, You'll feel better. That's true. And yet, you sit there going, oh, God, I don't know if I can do it. You, it's just, that's how awful it is. <laughs> you know that salvation is just, you know, driving the porcelain bus away. And yet, the idea of, like, it's not like, oh, man, I feel terrible. I should probably vomit, then I'll feel better. I'll be right back. Like, it's not, you know, it should be the equivalent of washing your hands or doing something else. But but no, we all hate it so much that the idea is, oh, God, I need to throw up. Then go do it. I can't. Why? Because <laughs> no one likes throwing up. Is there anything that makes you so nervous that you feel queasy? Like, oh, yeah. Like, lying. But like, oh what, God, yeah, the, yeah. What's the queasy making thing? Pre- um, 
Well, being caught appropriately for this, being caught in a lie, um, uh, that that always makes me. I've, I, it's made me more honest. Is that <laughs> that, that notion? Avoid that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had a boss for a company that I had who just was. He was such an awful human being. And I really hope he's listening to this podcast. He's such an <laughs> awful human being. And everybody hated this person. He just made everyone constantly feel like crap. And mm-hmm. he was one of these people who thrived on making sure everyone felt like crap. And when he was making someone else feel like crap, I'm such a bad human being that I could take a step back. And I'm like, well, at least he's not talking to me. But when he says, mm-hmm. Paul, I need to talk to you in my office. like, oh. And that would, I would start to feel that sensation mm-hmm. you know that was that to me it's funny like i did stand-up comedy for a very long time and i did shows in front of drunks and hecklers and i would get a little nervous before you get on stage mm-hmm. but i never got like nauseous you know mm-hmm. i never got to the point where like oh my god oh i can't because no because once i got it was one of those things is like being on the ski you know the ski jump then once the show got started there was a rhythm and then i was fine but you know, being sent into this office at this corporate job I had with this horrible person. Yeah, I, I could have, uh, th- that gave me that feeling. I felt like Marta telling a lie. Yeah. I think I, I, I've i had similar experiences feeling like, like if I'm new at a job or something and I'm like, everyone thinks you're an idiot, Megan, you know, like then I might start feeling kind of queasy. And uh, I, I tried to do stand up literally one time and <laughs> almost the entire time, even though it went well, I felt like I'm going to die. This is how I die. I'm going to just <laughs> collapse. And <laughs> the, I didn't know that I was going to die tonight, but apparently I'm going to physically <laughs> die. Like I, I now understand why people call it dying when like no one laughs because it's just like putting yourself out there to tell jokes is like one of the worst feelings in the world. That's why I never did it again. Even though people laughed and said it was good. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can do that again. Well, it, it's a very specific kind of way of making people laugh. I mean, I know a lot of people who are the funny person in an office or a funny person in this or that who bomb when they get on stage. I'm not saying you bomb, but they, they, when people aren't expecting to laugh and you say something funny, like if you're not to expected to be, yeah. yeah, you're not expected to be funny in an office. But when you're standing on stage and a microphone's there, the people are facing you, and They're you're, just staring you're them down. <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> I, I bombed the first time I went on stage. I bombed horrifically, and that's what I found out. Like I always made strangers laugh, but this is a different. You know, that's a talent, but now I had to hone it. And eventually I became, I became an okay stand-up. I got, you know, it was good enough to get paid and, you know, put up in hotels and things like that. So, you know, yeah. and I did it for 15 years. So I hopefully I gained a little bit of uh, ability. But yeah, it's a, it's a different animal. I'll tell you, it's much better to be booed and heckled than have silence. <laughs> I would much rather be booed and heckled than have silence. Um. I'll tell you this. I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell this story, folks. If you listen to Nines Out Men, I'm going to tell this story from my stand-up days. That I did a show in Oak Hill, West Virginia. Okay. And I actually was very excited about this show. But, like, when I traveled, and this was pre-MapQuest and pre-Google, this was mm-hmm. in the late 90s, 
when I would travel to some of these towns, I had no clue what I was getting into from town to town. Sure. And sometimes I would go to it. And even when you arrive there, you don't know what you're getting. Like some days I went in and I go, oh my God, this show's going to be a catastrophe. And it turned out great. And there's some days I'm like, oh man, this show's going to be great. And it turned out to be awful. Like you can't, there was <laughs> never a way to predict it. And I was excited about this show because I had done a radio interview for it. And it sounded like they were going to get some decent publicity. And they said they get decent crowds. I said, great. So I'm in Oak Hill, West Virginia. And I get on and it's like, there's like nine people there. It's like, it's almost empty. And usually what happens in a stand-up show is there's usually like a, there's usually an MC who's like a local person. Sometimes it's from the radio station. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's the nephew of the owner. Sometimes it's the owner. Mm -hmm. And they usually come out, lights go down, lights come up. They'll play a little music at the top and they say, Hey everyone, everyone having a nice time. How are you doing? They do like five minutes of jokes Jokes mm-hmm. usually stink. And they mm-hmm. say, okay, who wants to get the show started? Our first act is da 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 da. That's mm-hmm. the rhythm of every comedy show I've been to. The guy who ran the club had a sprained ankle and was on crutches. Okay. And he came up to me and he says, what do you want for your introduction? At the time, I had not been on television. And so I just said, I just tell him I do lots of clubs and colleges and I co-host a radio show in New York. Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to wait for the lights to go down, music to go up. And I'm kind of making last minute changes to my set. And then I just hear the guy with the crutches with no lights or anything, nothing, no lights, dimming, no music guy with the crutches just hobbles onto the stage and comes up to the microphone and says, Paul Sullivan's from New York. He's got a radio show, Paul. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm on Is the show starting. And so I ran on stage and I had to do 25 minutes as the opening act. I was on stage for 25 minutes. At one point during the 25 minutes, someone in the audience went, did this. <laughs> the rest of the time for 25 minutes, silence. Oh, no. Silence. Oh, dear. And I'm like, and just, I was absolutely floundering and this was uh oh this was it was 1998 and i'll tell you why i remember it was 1998 because at that time uh titanic was still in the theaters titanic of course <laughs> the biggest movie of all time and it was in theaters like through the summer you know it came out in christmas time and it was such a huge hit it was playing through the summer and i had a big chunk of my act where titanic jokes because everyone had seen the movie so there's lots of jokes i can do about the the movie and I usually had that towards the end because those jokes were, were did great. And about 10 minutes in, I, I got to go to Titanic. I got to go to <laughs> Titanic now. So I asked the nine people there, who here has seen Titanic? One guy raised his hand. I'm like, are you kidding me? The biggest <laughs> hit of all time? You know, I'm saying like, you know, <laughs> when I mentioned the boat sink, I was expecting somebody to yell, don't spoil the ending. But yeah, so 25 minutes. I think this episode is 25 minutes long. Imagine being on stage talking for those 25 minutes. I mean, that's enough for me to be like, that's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. And, Even if uh, it's not so, wild, it, would, it sounds exhausting. Yeah. So I, at the end of that, I just uh, 
I went, you know, I did my 25 minutes, got off the stage. Usually I like to hang out and say hi to the people after the show. Not mm-hmm. that night. Nope. <laughs> went, right back, went right back to my hotel room and watched ESPN and fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, and I didn't throw up that night. There was no well, vomiting good. that night. No, nope, I was at the end. You're just like, do you know what? There are going to be nights like this. <laughs> There's going to be nights like this. So there you go. We, we've talked in these last couple of minutes about what Abraham Lincoln's voice must have sounded like and me bombing on a stage in <laughs> West Virginia. So this has clearly been Knives Out Minute. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. You always know what an episode like this goes off the rails. But you know what? This is why you do a movie minute podcast is because we, it just goes where it goes. It goes where it goes and we have fun doing yeah, it. like jazz. And uh, – Megan, tell people a little bit about your podcast and what to expect when you sign up for that. Sure. So I watch made-for-TV movies, and I talk about it with a guest, and uh, we make fun of them. Usually it's something like a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie, and it's not another bad movie podcast, and you can find it in all the usual podcasting spots or at notanotherbadmoviepodcast.libsyn.com. Um, and yeah, it's once a month, uh, except when there's bonus content for Halloween or Christmas in July or Christmas. So, yeah. Nice. Well, and, uh, I'm still the host of Locked On MLB for some baseball discussion. And you can look up the Bull Durham Minute podcast, which I did to completion, finished in September of 2020. And I may be doing another movie minute podcast. I may not be. I'm not 100% sure, but we just did a whole week of Knives Out Minute. And so thanks for being part of this week's shows. And next up will be Minute 26 of Knives Out Minute. I've been your guest host, Paul Francis Sullivan. 